0: Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns, writer at the OBR. Coming at you guys um, with a bit of a twist. I've kind of been continually doing pre-game show about Thursday and then a post-game show Sunday night or Monday night. They played so many primetime guests. Um, sorry, so many primetime games that... I have uh, I've been a, a pretty routinely following the pregame, postgame, but I wanted to kind of take a break. This is probably a better opportunity to do during the bye week, but um, you know schedules get crazy, and I couldn't really do much during the bye week. So, uh, you know, here we are, kind of seven games in, leading into eight games in, halfway through the year, and I wanted to give you guys. A little uh, sort of where the Browns are, state of the team, state of the state of the Browns currently as they sit, and what as the schedule shifts toward what should be an easier second half of the year. Talk with somebody who I respect and value, and have you know pretty consistent conversations with about where they're at, and that's Brendan Leister, who does fantastic work at Pro Football Focus, um, does his own writing at USA USA Football. Um, and, and and has helped me with Browns film breakdown multiple times. Been a guest on here and um, coaches his own team nine and O going for ten and O this week at Avon, and I'm sure they'll get there. So, uh, Brendan, how you doing, man?
1: Doing good. How about yourself, Jake?
0: I'm all right. I'm all right. Hanging in there. Um, the, uh, the 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 NFL decided it's a good idea not to release all 22 this year until like. I don't know, 1 a.m. on 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 uh, on Monday nights or whatever. So it's like I can't really. I stay up so late. I'm so, so freaking tired. And um, you know, I remember last year sitting. Like, I left work. My 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 work day was over at six, and it was up. And, like this year, they're all of a sudden not posting it till late. I know you guys at PFF get it earlier and all that stuff. But it's like, man, makes my early week pretty tiring, buddy. So I'm trying to uh, mm-hmm. trying to power through, but. Um, I think it's good I think it's a good time to talk about where the Browns are right now because we you know you and I have as much back and forth about this team as anybody in my life and I think that's a good thing because I, I think that there's a lot of uh, value in and in, in, in getting different uh, viewpoints and getting different angles on this team and you and I were pretty pumped heading into the year because we thought this was a this was a real chance to be special and it hasn't been special now that's you know, it's 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 a factor is who they've played. I think anybody uh, who who understands football uh, will say that this this first half of the year has been a challenging part of the schedule, especially for a young team coming into a new head coach. All of those things uh, mixed in, um, you know, the factors that, that are at play here. But they're two and five, and and you are what your record says you are, and sort of where you think they are right now, Brendan. And we'll we'll take that conversation from your sort of the state of the group right now and then we'll 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 cherry pick other topics you want to talk about but so so give me where you uh kind of a loaded question but give me where you feel they're at right now
1: well overall without getting too specific you know on the different sides of the ball I I just think that they're a team that can't really put any type of consistency together on either side of the ball um whenever they're making plays on defense uh they're struggling on offense or you know vice versa or they're you know getting punts blocked on special teams and committing penalties on all three in all three phases of the game so i think overall there's just a lot of miscues going on you know maybe nine guys do their job on a play but two guys mess up and and that goes you know in every phase like i you know said so uh yeah i just think that there's a lot of you know undisciplined play as far as um a lot of penalties i mean they're very close to i think breaking some type of record for penalties at this point through the season as well as um you know just these also these coaching miscues that freddie kitchens keeps making which you know those significantly impact the game as far as you know sending the punt team out there taking a false start or uh, not a false start but a delay of game and then putting the offense back on there uh back on the field uh just I mean, you can go down the list. There's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of examples of this. Every single week, it seems like. And it just feels like things are not uh, going smoothly from the top down. Um, and then it, you know, I know that you and I both agree that, like, trading General Avery was a questionable decision. So then that's another thing that's kind of even above Kitchens. But, but is it really? Because the defensive coordinator wouldn't play him. So there's just a whole lot of things that are kind of, going on that are negative and and i agree that the schedule has been a factor but i also think that they could have played a lot better to this point in the season um you know like we are we're both high on rashard higgins he's barely played to this point in the season Mm -hmm. we both thought he would be a big factor this year he hasn't um even in spite of the injury he just hasn't played since he's been healthy so there's just a whole lot of things going on um that leads a a good amount of pessimism and and I think it's it's earned based on what they put on the field to this point yeah I think you're right and I
0: listen I I deal with this a lot on Twitter and, and in conversation like with my my friends or my father or whatever is you know this this idea that I'm perpetually negative about this team like I that couldn't be any more false for in terms of who I want to be in terms of covering this team, or as even a fan, because at the bottom of most of this, we're all fans of this team, and it's like I don't want to be negative. I want to write on Baker Mayfield breaking records. I want to write on uh, Larry Ogunjobi becoming a Pro Bowler. There are a lot, there are things I would I would so much rather write on positive things, and I try to and discuss positive things, but there's not a ton of positive. They're two and five, and it's a group that should be better, but but at the same time. Um, I'm trying to kind of keep it uh, in perspective that the beginning of the season schedule was rough. One of the rougher in the NFL, you know, schedules in the NFL, and it could all very well change. They go three and one and get to six and six or whatever, uh, heading into this the last half of the year schedules, it's there. Um, And they could turn it around just like we saw last year, but all we can do is discuss what we know right now. We can't necessarily predict the future, um, although it, you know, Brendan and I are smart enough dudes to look at the schedule and be like, okay, playing Cincinnati twice, playing Pittsburgh twice, playing, you know, um, Miami, Miami, and 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 and, yep. and and even Arizona, who's who's fine, yeah. they're 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 better, but it's like mm-hmm. those games are easier. I get it, it's not rocket science, but at the same time. We don't know that they're the better team yet. We have to see it. Like We we have to see it manifest itself. So all we can do is discuss what we can do, or sorry, what we know right now. And what we know right now is it's an ineffective and inefficient offense. It's a defense that has played passively and has not produced from positions that we expected some production from. And we're going to talk about those things. I think anytime you talk about this team right now, you talk about Baker Mayfield as a focal point. Uh, you and I have had, I don't know, man, infinite discussions dating back to 2018 when this guy came out, and mm-hmm. um, some very fair concerns from your end that you wrote in a fantastic draft guide um, that predicted, or sorry, gave some of your thoughts on Mayfield as the as an Oklahoma product at the time, that we discussed. I think his rookie year, he, he for the most part avoided some of those pitfalls, some of his issues, but in year two, we are seeing... Um, a reverse trend to some of those poor habits. Now, this is this is loaded. We could do a, an hour podcast on Baker Mayfield. But here's what I see um, from my end, and then I'll throw it back to you, which is this is a quarterback right now who truly, if he is in rhythm, if he is in structure and his eyes go to the right place, he's – He's very good. He's very effective and he gets the ball out and for the most part uh, is, is is very effective throwing the ball as in terms of if his eyes are in the right spot and the defense does what he expects. If not, meaning the defense shifts coverage pre to post or his first option is taken away or his eyes don't go to the correct spot in the first option, he's poor and he's frantic when things don't go as he expects them to go, and that is a very, very big problem. So the best in the NFL, and it's turning into that, Deshaun Watson's one of them now, those guys who can work read-to-read and can do it in a calm nature, a calm manner, and if the thing that they are expecting initially or their first read is taken away, they can work right-to-left or left-to-right and find the options in front of them right now, as I wrote a couple weeks ago, that's not the case with Baker Mayfield. He is very frantic. His footwork is panicked. If his first option is taken away from him, he will he will uh, drift in the pocket, and then he will make his own pressure, and then he gets uh, flustered, and, it, and it's leading to um, you know late throws. The pocket escapes too early. The uh, mild inaccuracy that leads to balls being tipped by his receivers because they're not precise throws. And um, I'm 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 just I'm very worried. I think the second half of the year he can bounce back, and that's fine. He might dominate the second half of the year, but the stuff that he's put on film right now is um, he's a one read guy who is not very good, very comfortable working uh, within structure to find other options that the defense presents to him. And that does I'm just saying this it does give me pause about who he can be because as a quarterback you coach quarterbacks, Brendan, extensively. I played it. I've coached it too. Typically, a guy's ability to handle pressure, typically a guy's uh, ability to stay calm, and then the pocket is something that you either have it or you don't. You very rarely see someone change that DNA part of how they process chaos around them, and then year to year he's just a more calm dude in the pocket. Like that's just something that you don't typically change because. It's peripheral vision, and it's being able to slide and feel comfortable and go where you need to go with the football. And right now, he doesn't have that. Um, and uh, I'll throw it to you, man. That's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah. I'm very worried about his ceiling um, because I just have to see a better football player present itself. Um, but, yeah, dude, I, I, that's a lot from me. But you, you have some great thoughts. So, so share where you think he is and where you think he's going.
1: Oh, I, I agree with all that. Um, I'm, I'm not quite as concerned about, you know, his ceiling and those things just because we saw it last year. And I just, I just think that the more he plays football, you have to hope that, you know, eventually they either find a, you know it sucks to say this but find another coaching staff that'll you know build an offense around him or, or whatever but you know you just hope that at some point they get him back to a place where he's trusting the things around him and playing with confidence and mm-hmm. conviction because I think I think conviction's a good word to use with him because that was I think what we saw a lot of last year you know you watch like the second half of the Texans game or or even at times in the Ravens game late in the season I think You know, he just gets to the top of his drop and he knew exactly where to get the ball and he would just, you know, sling it in there with good accuracy. And it would, you know, give receivers a chance to just run through the catch point and get yards after the catch. And and that's what you that's who you want him to be. That's that's who he was at times last year when he was at his best. And that's who he was when he was at his best at Oklahoma. Um, I agree big time about, you know, when he's at the top of his drop and he knows where he's going with the ball. Uh, especially against zone coverage, I would say throw into the middle of the field. I think he's very good if he's, if he's confident and he sees the window and he can rip it, you know, he, he can make those throws all day Um, struggles with quick game. I would say, I I think that's been a thing all the way back to college. So, you know, people talk about getting him easy throws early in the game. I think that he's always kind of struggled with reading quick game concepts like slant flat. We've talked about that in some text messages. he, He's kind of just consistently messed those types of things up a lot, and that that kind of can be tough. Because for a quarterback, you know, you want them to throw those quick rhythm passes to to get in a rhythm early in games, and um, with him, I think it's tough to do that sometimes. I think they need to lean more on under center play action, um, pushing the ball to the intermediate level of the field, just things where he can turn his back to the defense off play action, you know, suck the linebackers up and then just rip it into those windows in the intermediate level of the field um, off, like, dig routes, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but overall, just a lot to be concerned about as far as his pocket poise, like you alluded to, his I think accuracy has been definitely not as precise as it has been at times in the past, which has led to some, some drops that maybe – Wouldn't happen if the pass was more accurate, you know, or the ball's high Mm -hmm. or it's behind the receiver and it bounces off the hands. And, and yes, we all want those balls to be caught. Of course, if it hits your hands, yes, I want you to catch it. But at the same time, if that's my quarterback, I also tell him, Hey, throw the ball more accurately. Let's hit him in stride. Let's give him a no work ball. That's what we call that at Avon. You know, Mm -hmm. like, so those, (laughs) those are all important things. And I think, uh, he's definitely regressed. I wonder, I wonder about the you know, the coaching situation just because last year he looked so much more confident and comfortable and playing with more conviction and um, confidence under Ken Peasy when he was the quarterback's coach. And this year with Ryan Lindley, it just seems like he's really regressed in that regard and doesn't always know what he's looking at and necessarily who he should be reading on the defense. It seems to me and I know to you, so... Um, those are just some things that, from our vantage point, it's kind of easy to question. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, like i want I want to write i want I want to tell Brown's fans that he is he is he's great. He's fantastic. He's unbelievable. He is the upper echelon of quarterbacks or a top ten guy. I, but I can't lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you something that's right. not true. And he's not doing that right now. So, like, what's interesting to me is that it feels to me that Baker wants to play. Um, he, this is kind of, I have two questions I think are going to be interesting for you. Baker wants to play the game like Russell Wilson does, which is, um, you know, a, a pretty accurate guy for the most part, uh, but has a bunch of ad-lib to his game. He, he has mm-hmm. the ability to uh, to sort of ad-lib things and make plays out of the pocket and be super accurate on the run because he's a freaky athlete. Um, and, and Baker feels like he wants to be more that than say, Drew Brees, uh, somebody who sits in there, is calm, cool, collected, works read to read, or gets his eyes in the right spot because he understands what the defense is trying to do, a, a two-beat guy, a two-beats ahead of the defense guy. Baker seems to want to be more rust where he wants to uh, sort of see things and then ad-lib things off of what he sees. But he's not that athlete. He's he's certainly not that athlete. Got away with it at Oklahoma had that propensity to pass up the early stuff for the downfield stuff and you can't do that in the NFL you just can't Mm -hmm. and I think that some of that stuff is popping up with him and I think that's why he's holding on to the football a little bit longer and he's Mm -hmm. not processing the underneath stuff and um, I just think that that's a fascinating thing to think about what he's trying to be or what he's becoming and um, you know, this isn't to say Baker can't improve. Like he, he's watching the same film we are. He's he's got to figure, yeah, he's got to figure all that stuff out. And maybe he gets there. Maybe he, maybe the second half of the year, yeah. he, he, It's very uh, early, yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm not trying to bury this kid. I, 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 he, I still think there's a really great quarterback in there. But there's no doubt, um, you know, something that has gone on with him mentally, where he doesn't feel like you said just a minute ago, as confident, uh, is 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 trusting his ability to pull the trigger. Some throws like. Um, I had mentioned to you, Brendan, yesterday in the third and four that he takes that sack uh, in the in the Patriots yep. game where, um, you know, typically he, he reads a corner route first. He would come off that and throw up the hash to Odell, but he doesn't seem confident in doing it. And he's just his mm-hmm. footwork is too frantic to do it. So um, here's here's the big question I have for you. Now we've watched him play 20 games and, um, you know, maybe maybe a couple more 21, 22 um, um, games and in. Like looking at at where they are statistically, uh, you know, with 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 Jarvis having 504 yards on 30 catches, and Odell having 34 grabs, 488, pretty close, but for the most part, Jarvis is leading that group in yards per reception and yards per target. Mm-hmm. Do you think, as you look at how to build, you mentioned this just a bit ago when you're talking about building the staff around him that builds the offense around him. Is it is it something they need? Like you and I were pumped. Every Browns fan was so excited when they got Odell, and I love that guy. I think he's fantastic. But do you think this offense is 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 the way Baker plays? It's necessary for a guy like Odell to be a part of this. Like I think I think this is just me thinking out loud. You can tell me I'm an idiot. But like Odell really thrives on downfield stuff where he can work his routes. He almost is a better guy for a quarterback who stands tall in the pocket. Gets the football out, um, sort of at a at a at a certain point when Odell is comfortable coming out of breaks, can stand there, can extend things by being in the pocket longer and trusting things, and that's not what we get with Baker. It's almost like to me, an offense build around Baker should feature, first and foremost, really good line play, um, because of some of his propensity to hold the ball a bit longer, really good tight ends, you know, building through some tight ends because, you know, whether it was Mark Andrews um you know i think mm-hmm. he has a propensity to really and like this year he's found ricky seals jones and he's found demetrius harris and he targets them you know he targets those guys quite a bit if you combined those two uh, total targets almost 30 which is the same as some of these top receivers they have
1: they yeah. um, hit najoku a lot yeah when the has been healthy i think he misses najoku a lot
0: for, for sure i absolutely agree yeah. um my, my point being like does he just need wide receivers who are um you know guys that are good enough guys that get to get to where they need to get like Rashard Higgins guys who get where they need to be uh, are secured, you know, with, with catching the football. I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is does he need a star receiver? Is he a quarterback that it just doesn't matter? He just throws wherever the, the, the defense allows him to throw. And maybe they should consider that the best way to structure things around him is to give him really good tight ends and just really solid receivers and and sort of play through some of that like you mentioned quality play action and um you know some some downfield shots off I don't know I'm just thinking like when you're structuring Mm -hmm. this with Odell it's like the only they should be it should be better just to me it should be it should be a group that he has one touchdown you know it's like do Mm -hmm. do they do that what do you think man like do they need him do you think that it's like it's interesting. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud of how to build a team around Mayfield yeah. and, um, and the way they've used Odell and the way they've, uh, you know, so few times there's been downfield opportunities and when they run downfield, it's like the quarterback has scrambled himself into a sack or something of that variety. I'm just curious what you think the best look around him is.
1: Well, I definitely like having, I think having Odell Beckham Jr. is going to benefit him long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that we've seen a lack of chemistry and continuity between the two of them, and that's really, you know, reared its ugly head a lot. I mean, there's been opportunities for them to connect on big plays down the field. Sometimes, like like we alluded to, Mayfield just throws it a little bit behind him or he throws it a little bit high and it goes off his hands. Or, you know, this past weekend where, Mayfield threw the back shoulder ball and he just drops it. I mean, those aren't, you know, those are big plays. Those are chunk plays. I mean, you get the ball in Odell Beckham jr's hands accurately. If Mayfield was just playing more accurately, like he did last year, or if he had just, just, yeah. If you just play with more accuracy, I think, you know, a lot of big plays would have already happened, um, within the, within the structure of the offense. to Odell Beckham jr. So I think that it's definitely going to benefit them term. Um, I mean, I get, I get the argument about just having solid receivers around him, and I agree that tight ends are important, too. And that's also partly because I just think that when he tends to miss, he tends to miss high. So mm-hmm. having, you know, guys that can go up and get the ball, especially in traffic or over the middle of the field with ball skills, that's important with Mayfield. But at the same time, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. plays big. Jarvis Landry plays big. So So those guys, you know, they have those abilities to go up and get the ball when it's a little high, even if they've – you know, let some go off their hands this year, um, but yeah, I think over time they definitely should hang on to Odell Beckham. I think that the more those guys play together, hopefully, you know, hopefully they learn from however this season goes, whether it you know starts to turn around and they start to have some big games together, or if they continue to struggle and just be up and down, um, hopefully they learn a lot from it and you know build chemistry in the off season because they're both pretty young players i mean odell beckham he's not old he's like what in his mid to late 20s so Mm -hmm. they've got a lot of years to play together still and i think that they're a good match you know we talked a lot about how good odell beckham can be on on slant routes and how how well baker threw those last year um also i think that once they once they find situations where they can get into scramble drill situations. I think it's going to be really tough to hang with Odell Beckham down the field. Cause he's just so good at separating. It's just that they're going to have to keep working together. I mean, the sample isn't that big yet. Yeah. They haven't, they haven't played a lot of games together yet. So it's just, I think it's just going to take time and they have to keep building this roster and building depth to continue to make it better. And also I would prob, I mean, I'm sure you would agree with me that, I mean if you give them let's just say like Sean McVeigh, I mean, all of a sudden, like let's like look at what he did for Goff's career. Well if you give if you give this offense Sean McVeigh and have him use Jarvis Landry like Cooper Cup and let him do what he wants to do with Odell Beckham Jr. and probably have Higgins out there in certain situations the majority of the time and you know Callaway would rotate in, I think you know, you have a pretty good offense all of a sudden, probably because I have a feeling Mayfield would be looking in the right spots, getting the ball out on time, yeah. you know, playing this game. It's just, I just don't think that the setup is very good right now. And, and I question the, um, the coaching staff, the way that things go and, or the way that things look right now. So um, I like, I like Odell Beckham for the team. And I think it's a good fit. I I do want to kind of discuss something you mentioned though, because I have a different take on, on what you said about the whole Russell Wilson, Drew Brees thing. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting. I actually think that, so my take on that is I actually think that he grew up playing more like Russell Wilson. Oh yeah. And I think that's, that was my first impression of him. I mean, I don't think that he necessarily wants to be that player. I think that he's had to develop himself into as good as he is in the pocket now that was the interpretation I had watching him over his career at Oklahoma you know because the first time I saw him was that year he transferred to Oklahoma and I remember seeing him that year and I was like wow that guy he makes a lot of plays outside structure like he just he's a big scramble drill guy you know it was, yeah it wasn't exactly like Johnny Manziel but it was kind of like that you know where he just would run around and make these plays and it's like wow that's Fun to watch, but who knows how that'll translate? And then you see him the next year, and you're like, "Wow, he's getting better from the pocket." And then his final year, obviously, he had a lot of production from the pocket, so it seemed like he really developed that part of his game. I think that he wants to be more like Drew Brees, but it's really hard to be like Drew Brees, you know, especially when you grew up being a good athlete, (laughs) yeah, making and thriving outside structure like Mayfield did, and then having to learn to play from the pocket. And continuing to learn and continuing to become more comfortable because I think his his instinct from playing middle school, whatever, like wee probably wee middle school, high school, and then even into college was, oh, crap. First read's not there, I'm going to run, I'm going to yeah. scramble around, I'm going to make a play. I might drift in the pocket, but the athletes aren't good enough to get me because I run a 4.8, and that's pretty good for you know a quarterback at those levels. But sure. then all of a sudden you get to the NFL, and he has to play from the pocket and he doesn't have that to lean on quite as much because defensive coordinators have an offseason on him and they know his tendencies when he scrambles and when his first read isn't there. Because last year I think he kind of got away with that at times too where he was making those scramble drill plays, um, making his offensive line actually look better than they were. I know that you and I talked about that in the offseason where they would blow a block, he would make the guy miss, get outside the pocket, make a play outside structure. This year those things aren't happening as much because – for one, they're not really stable year to year. Like it's hard to count on those types of plays. It's not as yeah. predictable as things are in the pocket. And also because defensive coordinators, you know, had an offseason to plan around that and game plan for him. But I think we're just seeing a young quarterback that has, he's kind of inexperienced as a true pocket passer, continuing to learn how to become a pocket passer. And it just might be a, a longer learning curve than we really expected, especially after what he showed last year.
0: Yeah, I think I feel I feel pretty confident in the idea, Brendan. That he needs he needs a really good offensive line. Like I think that there are um, there are quarterbacks who can uh, spend a career overcoming bad lines. Aaron Rodgers, not that he's dealt with a bad line, but but you know I think that maybe even Deshaun, guys who can overcome poor line play in front of them and still be very good. I think he needs he needs his demeanor, his trust his belief Mm -hmm. in the offense. He has to, and I'm not here to say the offensive line is playing poorly. We're going to talk about that. They are not, in my opinion. I think that they've been good enough to win football games. But what I'm saying is, I think as they build the roster around Mayfield as they go, I think it has to be an investment. They haven't invested in the offensive line, really. I think they need Mm -hmm. to invest in, um, projectable long-term pieces, whether that's drafting an offensive tackle this year, maybe even two of them. And, um, I just think that that's a thing he's going to need. He's not going to be, to me, a guy who can, like Russell, uh, overcome bad lines, average lines, by doing the Mm ad-lib stuff. Because, like you mentioned, he's a good athlete, but he's not a good enough NFL athlete to be able to run away from people up front or 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 even make the herky jerky kind of moves to make a couple guys miss and then get out and throw like he's just not going to be able to do that consistently. So, whether it's flatter pockets like we've talked about or whatever, he needs to be able to trust what's going on in front of him and he does need he does need a good play caller like and and um yep. there are parts of the the whole thing with Freddie that are uh you know that that, that he's shown some things but he needs good quarterback coaching and he needs um you know, consistently good play calling uh, and, and opportunities to take advantage of play action, keep them. And, you know, this year, it, it's, you mentioned the 70 penalties in seven games and the trending toward a top 10 all time worst mark in league history, which is unfathomable. <laughs> you, you just, how many times this team has been behind the sticks. And, yep. um, in being in second and you know first and twenty or second and fifteen, you can't win that way. You just can't, and that to me is the biggest thing that you can point at this year and say that is a, that is that is the problem, and it all manifests itself from that problem. Um, we're gonna shift gears because we like I said we could talk Mayfield all day. Hopefully <laughs> it changes. Hopefully it comes back um, and they figure this thing. And he's sitting at six touchdowns and twelve interceptions. You'd like to see him be able to put together a string of like a ten and two stretch or something, uh, to hopefully yeah. get out because the game just needs to. I, I, I've talked about this to you. It's everything is hard right now, and it's everything feels congested, and the field feels tiny. And mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, they can. Um, they're still going to play some good coverage teams like 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 Denver didn't trade away. Denver. Yeah, yeah, didn't trade Buffalo. away Chris Harris and Buffalo's on the schedule too. And Pittsburgh has a really good front. Like they're going to play yep. good enough defense oh, still. Yeah. So it's not every all game. in The
1: NFL people. is a tough one. For people sure, have to realize that
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely so it's not a cakewalk by any stretch of the imaginations but uh, you know but the defenses they play and, and well I guess the teams they play don't have as complete a structure as some of the ones they played early so but still challenges for Baker but uh, real quick want to talk to you guys about Harry's Razors uh, this Brendan this won't pertain to you with a luscious beard that you're rocking these days. <laughs> Mayfield does, though. He had to cut it down for his his wedding and all that stuff. But uh, um, you know, if you guys are looking for a quality shave, uh, Harry's is the way to go. They've been doing a great job with this. They sent them over to us, and um, I couldn't. You know, I, I was an old Gillette guy, but this is this company does great stuff. They give you a close shave. It's an easy glide. The stuff that they give you, the shave gel, is fantastic too. It's all at a low price, and you can check them out. So you know, go to harrys.com slash Blue Wire, get yourself a free trial and um you know it's essential you know when you're looking at what kind of shave you want they give you the essential pieces for everything you need that quality durable blade at just a couple bucks per blade and, um, and we believe in them here at Brownstone Breakdown. Super convenient. They give you refills delivered directly to your door on your schedule, with or without a subscription, and there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let us know, um, you know, and, and they'll give you that full refund, which is really important when you're making a big change. So listeners to this show, Brownstone Breakdown, can get a free trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel without. To keep your skin hydrated, in a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So again, guys, go to harryscom wire Start shaving better today. Brendan, we're back. Let's talk offensive line. They've been up and down. Um, the Greg Robinson benching was strange, uh, and and Justin McCray has some good run blocking features, but he's a, he's just not it. He's not a pass blocking left tackle, and. Um, I thought that proven, you know, was proven the other day again uh, against New mm-hmm. England. The the, the numbers yeah. you guys put together, Pro Football Focus, matched the film as they typically do. He was pretty bad, and um, you know he continues to have the false starts issue, which is just weird that that's not showing up in practice. That they wouldn't have cause for concern. Um, looking at where they go the rest of the year, if Greg Robinson takes the job back, left tackle, whatever, is it is it pretty rock solid? Do you think? Um, you know, Teller should be taking over right guard and mm-hmm. sort of, uh, you know, where do you think they've, how do you think they've done and where do you think they look at in the offseason um, some potential changes that could be made there?
1: Um, so I think that J.C. Treder and Joel Batonio have been very good. Um, they need to try to extend J.C. Treder, especially if they want to keep continuity up front. And I think that's I think that would be something – I would think that would be something that they would have as a goal, you know, in front of Mayfield to at least keep those two guys together. Um, Yeah, I think Teller replacing Cush would be a good thing. They shouldn't be rotating their right guards. It's just really questionable. (laughs) That's that's a really weird thing to see in an NFL game, a team rotating the right guards. But, hey, we saw it on Sunday. Um, Teller graded a lot better in pass protection. And then run blocking-wise – you know, I don't think either guy really, I mean, Teller. it's a small sample size, but I'll just say that I think based on what he's done in preseason for the bills and then, you know, coming over to the Browns and what he showed Sunday, I think he should just be in there. It makes sense. Cush has really struggled this year. He's been pretty poor consistently. So making that move makes sense. Um, Chris Hubbard, early, I think he, he had a good game against Baltimore. He also played okay. I think against Seattle, if I remember right, um, actually have his grades in front of me yeah he played actually pass protected well against baltimore and um and against the jets too actually but um but yeah as the season's gone on he's just really struggled especially in pass protection and then run blocking wise he's been kind of poor all year so chris hubbard's not putting together the season that you'd like to see at right tackle which you know doesn't surprise a lot of people and I expect them to move on from him in the offseason. I believe they can get out of his contract with no risk. Yeah. Um, and then Greg Robinson, I think he was pass-protecting better than many give him credit for, with especially within the team, apparently. But I think the thing that happened with him was I think he has some really, really bad reps, just really ugly stuff, mm-hmm. and that those plays stick – in a coach's mind. They stick in a GM's mind. They stick in players' minds. They mm-hmm. see him on film and they're like, what the hell is our left tackle doing? What was that? Are you serious? Like that's what you're putting on film? Mm-hmm. You know, you see that play and that's the reaction. And so then it's like, oh. wow, if he's going to do that, we can't have him out there. Cause if he does that consistently or if he does that again, someone might get hurt. You know, like if he blocks the wrong direction on a run to the right, or if he, whatever he did on that one pass pro snap where he just like, lunge know, with his it. shoulder almost yeah on yeah. a pass right yeah. like there's just those plays that show up with Greg Robinson where on the whole you know snap to snap I think he's played okay this year run blocking wise and and also pass protection wise but there's just these ugly reps that get everybody's attention um and those have just been mixed in there and I think the team was just uncomfortable with that and, and I would agree with you know what John Dorsey said that he needs to be more consistent I mean I think everybody would agree with that um but but Justin McCray is not the answer you know they've played him at tackle this year so everybody thinks he's a tackle but he's not I mean I think most of his experience in the past has been inside at garden center and Mm -hmm. and I think that's where he belongs he's not he's not this tackle that everybody seems to think he is at least in my opinion and um you know his past experiences before Cleveland show that the fact that he wasn't the swing tackle week one shows that Kendall Lamb went in in that game yeah. and got injured after playing three snaps. Yeah. So you know if Kendall Lamb would come back, maybe he would have a shot at left tackle. I don't have much faith in him run blocking, but I think that he's a a solid pass protector. He was arguably the best pass protector on the Texans offensive line last year, which I know it isn't saying much, but it's still you know something and I think that he has some ability in pass pro but yeah overall heading into the offseason they're gonna have to make moves at tackle hopefully Forbes can do something for them hopefully you know he shows something this year because I think he and Najoku are gonna be the two guys they bring back from IR and you know hopefully going into the next season hopefully they can feel good about Teller and Forbes and you know maybe McCray pushes for that right guard spot maybe but you know, I don't. I don't think that they want to be in a situation where they're replacing three offensive linemen going into next next season necessarily, all with free agency or the draft. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You want to keep someone from this year um, for those three spots, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think Teller should be an immediate plug at right guard. I I, I just don't yep. see why the upside wouldn't be there as a guy you think is going to be around a while. And like you said, you don't. You really don't want to send three new offensive linemen out there. I think they have to replace both tackles. Now, there are people that are pretty convinced that Drew Forbes is. Just just this really good player and i, I th- I'm not I, I don't know how you get there mentally like I think he's I fine I think he's got potential um and they were high on him in the preseason but that doesn't mean he's some surefire right tackle of the future like he was playing against backups for the most part and he seemed okay it was not perfect film especially in the Colts game like there were things that were still being done incorrectly but like I get it he he's in an ideal world he takes over right tackle next year. They don't have to invest in right tackle. He's able to take that role. And they they draft a left tackle. They don't have to go out and sign anybody. They can draft. It's a pretty solid tackle class from um, what we've seen. And, you know, these things are fickle. They change. Testing happens. All of those things go on. But the ideal world, like, like you know, you're talking about here is is in the last half of the year, maybe um, Forbes does get some run at right tackle. Teller anchors the right guard spot. And then those two can be the future on the right side. And, um, and they can draft a left tackle now, and there is—it's funny to think about the ideal world for Cleveland because it so rarely ever works out that way. It is entirely possible they have to draft two tackles or sign a tackle, and um, it looks completely different than we maybe think it does. But we'll see. I, like I'm with you—they got to bring back Treader. They need continuity. Baker Center is important to him, and um, mm-hmm. especially letting go of Zeitler. And I, I think that they will—they uh, will hopefully do that. J.C. has been good enough again. And is still young enough to be an important part of this offense for a little while longer. So let's shift defensively. Um, it, it's <laughs> it's kind of been glossed over because so many people want to focus on what's going wrong offensively because that gets more clicks and that gets more attention. But they've been bad defensively, outside of Miles Garrett and outside of Olivier Vernon. Um, it has been a rocky uh, defense for the most part in in 2019. So. You know, we'll start along the defensive interior. I think those two are playing good football. I think Miles could be a little bit more sound against the run, uh, and I think that is something that will come for him later. Um, mm-hmm. But but for you and I, the conversation keeps going back to one person in particular. I think Sheldon Richardson has been okay about what you would expect Sheldon Richardson to be, some hit games, some yep. miss games. But the problem is number 65 is not getting the job done. Larry Ogunjobi has been a weak part of this defensive line, and um, – I was a big believer. I am, I have been a big believer. He's been a good person to me. He's come on this podcast before, um, but he is not, for whatever reason, he's not the same player he was two years ago as a rookie when he came in and he had this first step that was lightning, and he was being able to bull rush and move people along the interior into the backfield pretty consistently, and it was like, holy shit, this guy could be really good once he learns a couple go-to moves He could be really good. Then he started working out religiously. You were going to talk about this, I'm sure, Brendan, but he's lost weight. And um, you brought that to my attention, and it was a good thing to bring to my attention is how much different his body is from when he came in to where he is now. And his work with Geno Atkins has done some different things. I see a guy who is constantly trying to think of what the best move is, whatever that move is, whether that's a rip, club, pull, or a swim move. He's like trying to process what the best move is, and he's just not playing football. He's just not playing fast football. And um, it's setting him back, and it's setting this defense back because he's a non-factor week-to-week. He's not, he's not doing the quick off-the-ball bull rush stuff that he was so effective at. And even if you think back to like New Orleans last year when he had that pop-up game... It was driven yep. by some ridiculously powerful bull rush moves. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. He's he's in a big year. I think he has one more year next year. Uh, I don't know how the I, forget, I always forget how the second year contracts go. It'll be a, a contract year for him, um, you know, next year. But it is something where I'm to the point. If it continues as the status quo goes, that um, they might have to look at replacing him. Where are you with that uh, with with Larry and sort of the whole defensive front?
1: Oh, oh yeah, just just like you said, um, his body looks completely different, and he's not stout like he once was. You know, not only the splash plays that, even last year he showed, which I wasn't all that high on him after last year because I just felt that, like he is just such a flash player where there's a flash here and there, but down to down he wasn't playing that great of football. Um, his rookie year he, you know, burst on the scene, played 300 snaps, which was a limited snap count behind uh, Danny Sheldon at nose, but. But he showed explosiveness and, and he was just like an immovable object, also, which we we haven't seen that from him the past two years, I would say, with with just being so stout in the run game and so disruptive in the run game. Last year we saw some of it. You know, we saw the flashes here and there. In some games he would have good games, and other weeks he would just be kind of non existent. And then this year it's just completely non existent, <laughs> like consistently. Um, you know, he does have three sacks this year, but those also came in like situations where he should have got those sacks, I would say, where he's like cleaning up. If Garrett gets a pressure or Vernon gets a pressure, you know, just clean up sacks, like sacks that he's not really dominating his man and earning. So that's why his pass rush grade is uh, very below average for the season so far. Um, and, And really he just, he's just a shell of what he used to be. And, and he looks I mean, you and I kind of agree. He, he looks like he weighs maybe 275, 280. I mean, there's times out there where you you're watching the game and you're like, who's that that just made that tackle? And you think it's a linebacker, but it's actually him. Yeah. It's just it's because of his body type, and and it's just it's just interesting. He's not that immovable object that he once was as a rookie, and uh, and that really hurts him because he was just such a big explosive athlete. And then he was also so stout. So I had us all so confident in what he could become, but to this point he's, he's regressed significantly each year and I don't see any way they can go into next season with him as a starting, you know, starting defensive lineman. I mean, he's going to yeah. have to be a depth player next season that rotates in. And, um, I think as a, as a depth guy, maybe, maybe he can do some things, but it's just hard to feel good about him being a consistent force. Um, and then when it comes to Miles Garrett, you know, he's played very well rushing the passer, like like really well. I think he's got the highest pass rush grade in the whole NFL this season amongst edge rushers. Um, Olivier Vernon's really come on the past two games, which has been good to see. And then, uh, yeah, Sheldon Richardson, he's been solid, I would say, on the whole, especially on a defense. When, when you consider what, what the rest of the defense has kind of been, which is a lot of really bad football um, <laughs> almost across the board. I would say the Sheldon Richardson's doing pretty well, so that's kind of my take on the D line. And, and I also think I'll just add also because you know defensive line rotation is so important, they're getting next to nothing from those defensive those backup defensive linemen. Devereaux Lawrence has played 142 snaps. He has one of the worst grades amongst all defensive tackles in the NFL this year. Chad Thomas grading very poorly um, as a rusher. His his run defense grade is actually pretty high, um, but overall you know not playing the way that you would hope for a rotational defensive end uh chris smith hasn't played well you know he's been like non-existent this season Mm -hmm. and then uh the other defensive tackle that they have a quality he i think he played well early in the season but the more snaps he's gotten the more he's just kind of fallen off so
0: Yeah, yeah i'm with you man it's it's um you know
1: i'll be interested wait a second let me correct myself let me correct myself yeah i at first i said chad thomas has played well in run defense so early in the season he was playing well and then as as the season's gone on his play has fallen off the more snaps he's gotten um i was looking at their their grades and actually his tackling grade is higher so that was what it was i got that confused with the run defense grade carry on
0: gotcha no it's 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 um you know, to wrap up Larry, I think that there's there's an element to him wanting to be in better shape, like you and I have talked about, so he, he mm-hmm. probably lost some weight to be able to play more, and um, it's bit him. Yep. It's certainly bit him, because when people get their hands on him on the inside, if you go back and if any of you guys out there have the ability to watch all 22 through Game Pass and just watch centers and guards just steer him, they're just taking him where they want to take him. And he's not able to put up a fight to it. And then when pass protection, when they get locked into his torso, he's going nowhere. And there's, there's no resistance. So it's a, it's a problem. But like you said, it is not a problem that is limited to just him. They're not getting much help from from much of anybody outside of those first three guys. And maybe some of that changes if they challenge more. If they play more, um, you know, you know, tighter coverage. They can get home a little bit more. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that that that, that kind of Takes me to the next point, which is I thought we saw a better version of Denzel Ward. I was, I was, it was like my top three worries. I was trying not to talk much about it. Beginning of the year was how bad he was playing to start the year, and um, mm-hmm. maybe there was some sort of lingering hamstring thing going on. He he just looked different. He looked like the Denzel oh, yeah. Ward we've become accustomed to against New England, and that was good to see. I think I think you know with greedy and Denzel, you have a shot. I think those two guys can be um can be good football good coverage defenders they still have to prove to me that they can handle playing baltimore and playing uh stepping up and playing run game fit stuff and like um you know playing wide zone teams like san francisco and 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 the rams and this will even be um denver plays a similar offense to um Mm -hmm. to to san francisco obviously the coaching tree this will be an interesting one too to see how they handle playing that that uh the forced defender stuff so I don't know. I just feel like if you have those two a corner, you have a pretty good shot. You can mix up coverages more effectively with yep. Mitchell. Mitchell's a fine reserve player, um, and then and TJ Carey, they're okay. But you just don't feel comfortable putting those guys close to the football or challenging. And it it showed itself in some predictable situations. So I liked those guys. Uh, what what did you think of those two? Um, you know specifically, and sort of where their future looks. Uh, you know in this defense.
1: Oh, I I thought Denzel Ward looked like his, you know, his best self from last year for the most part. He was just sticky in coverage, played really well. Um, Sadly dropped that interception, but, you know, still made a good play on that. (laughs) Just, it was blanketed coverage. Um, Blocked the kick. That was a huge play in that game. It gave him, you know, a chance to just stay in it. I think he was probably playing hurt early in the season. From what I remember, it seemed like that hamstring injury just kind of came out of nowhere. So I'm guessing that he was kind of, Fighting through that and then all of a sudden they just decided that they needed to shut it down with him because he was <laughs> He was just like holding left and right, especially week one. He just couldn't hang with people um, But he played really well Sunday and I hope he keeps it up And I hope that he proves that he can stay on the field because that's obviously a big question All the back of our minds with him because of how he was last year um, Greedy Williams to this point actually has the highest tackling grade on the Browns defense this season So that's very encouraging when you consider the questions that people had about him coming out Mm -hmm. He seems really determined to make you know, make big hits when he's out there and get people on the ground Um, It doesn't seem like anything fluky either like he's making good tackles with good technique and and it's impressive Um, He had a few bad plays Sunday where you know, like I think of a third down where uh, He was in cover He was in soft zone cover three, you know, and he just like gave the wide receiver a really big cushion And, uh, the wide receiver just runs like a five yard hitch right at the sticks, catches the ball, gets out of bounds, first down, you know, just stuff like that, where it's, you can tell it's a young player that hasn't played a ton of like really important snaps yet. And he's got to continue to grow that awareness and remember, Hey, I got to lock in here. It's third down. Be aware of the sticks. Like, so just plays like that. But, but overall I thought he played well, the, um, best interference penalty he had was, or was it pass interference or holding? I think it was pass interference, right?
0: I actually think they gave him a holding call on that one. It was? It was okay. a five-yard variety.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, But regardless, I mean, yeah. that happens. So, you know, that I, I've got to hold that against him a little bit as well. But for the most part, you know, tight coverage. And I agree with you 100% that having those two guys back, if they're both playing at their best and they're both healthy and they can just – let's just hope that they can stay on the field and finish out the year and play good football. Because I think that really changes the outlook for the defense at least – when it comes to what they can do because they don't have to just consistently play soft cover three and soft quarters and all that stuff now they can actually get up and defender or get up in receiver spaces and challenge them and play man-to-man coverage like I think they wanted to do a good amount of coming into the season
0: yeah I'm with you and I think that I think those two are pretty entrenched and I'm not sure they keep T.J. Carey because his contract like Chris Hubbard has a, has a has an out in it to mm-hmm. to take away yep. um, some money at that position, so I do think they might check on nickel corners, uh, as or maybe even they they oh, could try to do something with t- yeah with Terrence Mitchell can stick around as a depth guy too because I know they like him and he's been he's been fine he he's been fine yeah. so
1: um, he just doesn't have that inside outside versatility I'm that's with you. the question with I'm him with you. so they have to look for nickels in the off season and and, and Eric Murray's been up and down as you'd expect and yeah. he's been good in run defense but in coverage you know. Leave some things to be desired, especially covering Julian Edelman. So he's been fine covering the slot as a nickel this year, but they definitely have to look at that position hard in the offseason. And I would love to see them find, like, a, you know, some type of a steal of value in the middle rounds that could come out and just surprise them and, you know, play a lot of snaps next year at that position.
0: Yeah, they need it without a doubt. And I think as they, as we're going to talk here in just a second, how they reshape the middle of this defense. Um, it's it's going to be fascinating. Before we talk about the last part of the defense, ShipStation is something that we do here. Uh, we big believers in a Blue Wire Holiday Rush coming up, selling stuff online, getting your stuff out. ShipStation is the way to go. More people are buying online than ever. All of these different companies, startup companies, whatever, selling things online. And even if you specifically sell things online, whether things you're making, um, whatever it could be, you're selling trinkets, you're selling Uh, memorabilia, ShipStation's the way to go. Just a few clicks you can manage all your orders, print your labels, get the products out the door, and deliver it in times for the holiday. So matter what you're selling, whether it's something on Amazon, you're selling something on Etsy, or even your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone, which is awesome. ShipStation works with major carriers including USPS, FedEx, and UPS, so you can compare choose uh, the best shipping option for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs so you can access the same postage discounts usually reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know you're getting the best deal. So no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. So take the hassle out of holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation handle you. Um, you know, help you handle all of that with ease. Just use this promo code blue, B L U E to get a 60 day free trial. That's two months free, no hassle, stress free holiday shipping. Visit shipstation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the page. Type in blue, blue, B L U E that shipstation.com. Enter the offer code blue Shipstation station, make ship happen. So we're going to ship our attention <laughs> to linebacker and safety, man, because they're fascinating. They have two guys. They got to resign or maybe they don't resign. Um, Demarius Randall who, uh, who who is just a, he's, he's a roller coaster of emotions publicly he's, he, mm-hmm. he's taking all the brown stuff out of this Twitter account and um, is tweeting out LOL I, listen man he's all over the board I think he wants to be paid but he's not getting he's not having a pay me year. And um, no. I, I don't know what they're going to do there, what his, what he perceives his value to be. Um, Morgan Burnett has a two-year deal, but they have an out that they can get out of with his after one year. Burnett has been okay. Uh, doesn't cover that well, but it can come into the box and thump a little bit. I would mm-hmm. not be surprised, Brendan, to see two new safeties next year. and um, then And then looking at linebacker, I think Joe has had a little more of a down year than we had hoped. Still yeah. a good football player. I believe in him. I think he's a good linebacker. I don't think he is one of the league's best linebackers, but I think he's a good linebacker, and I think you need that in this defense. But he's and he's had stretches where he's been pretty dominant. Um, but uh, you know, then you're looking at Mac Wilson, who's been a rookie and is playing like a rookie, and and there are growing pains going on there. But there are flashes of what could be a really good player um, with uh, uh, instincts and some of those things in pass coverage that have come up sometimes. I, I don't know, man, when you think of what they're doing right now, how do you think the linebacker safety groups have played? And then sort of where do you think it look? I know that I hate doing this. What does it look like next year stuff? But we're getting there because they got important contracts coming up and important offseason decisions. And, um, where does it sit for you?
1: Uh, oh, man. So I'll talk about, I'll try to talk about them in order of how you mentioned them and probably sprinkle in some other names as well. Um, so with Demarius Randall, I just I would not feel comfortable paying him. I think having him around long term could be a negative from a culture standpoint, just because I think that they've they've brought in a lot of guys on this team that are not highly regarded as you know high character individuals, and I think Demarius Randall is an example of that. I would say that when things are going good, you don't have to worry about guys like that. But when things are going bad, and he's in a contract year, and you know he says things to the media, or, and and the team doesn't like it, and now all of a sudden the next day, sh- you know he shows up to the facility, and now he's got a concussion, and and he he like denied that they even that he even had a concussion. The team just all of a sudden put him in concussion protocol and he was out two games and, and now he's out again and there's just all this mystery behind it. Like, is he in the doghouse? Is he actually hurt? Like what's going on with him? So, um, it's just, he's all over the I, map, man. He's all over yeah, the map. Right? Yeah. And I don't trust his play. I mean, that's yeah. the most important part, obviously, but I think this all kind of goes together when we talk about the Browns is you're you're trying to build a culture of winning, so you've got to have consistent players and consistent people around, and and good leaders at all levels of each. I would say you need to have some leaders, some good character guys in each room. That that's kind of how I view it within each position group. Yeah. And uh, and with him, I just I don't know what I'm going to get week to week. So there's no way that I ex- extend him. I, I think he has some valuable traits from an athletic ability stand for, standpoint, from a versatility standpoint, but. I, I thought he was kind of up and down last season with some really, really impressive flashes, but also some up and down play mixed in as you would expect from a first year NFL safety, you know, that it, it might've been his third year in the league last year or fourth. No, it might've been his fourth actually, I think, cause he's playing on his, his option, isn't he now? Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. but he started his year, his career as a corner. So, you know, he's an inexperienced NFL safety. He's only in his second year playing safety now and, yeah, I just don't expect the team to hang on to him, and he seems probably upset with that and you know how all the contract negotiations are going. And I think he'll probably sign a one-year prove-it deal with someone in the offseason. That's that's what I would expect with him because I don't think he's going to get nearly the money and the the years that he would like. Um, with Morgan Burnett, I think he's actually been one of the bright spots on the defense. I mean, I agree with you. He, he doesn't cover all that great, but at least he tackles. At yeah. least he's good in run defense, at least when he – when he blitzes, he takes a good course to the quarterback and you know impacts the quarterback when he does it. Um, he he's just a steady player and at least I trust him to be in the right spot on a Sunday and and that's kind of what you need at this point with this defense because there's so many players you can't count on. Um, Jermaine Whitehead is someone we have to talk about because he's played 453 snaps this year, which is oh my, I'm I'm looking at the snap counts right now. I think that's second.
0: He's, he's terrible. Yeah. He's absolutely it's second, terrible. It's
1: second behind Joe Schober. Yep. So so Jermaine Whitehead has played second most snaps on the defense this year, and uh, he is one of the lowest-graded safeties in the entire NFL, but he's on the field all the time. So, you know, they love him. Steve Wilkes wants him to be his defensive coordinator someday or something, but yeah, that's that's cool, and I'm sure that he helps with lining people up and telling them where they need to be and stuff, but he's not playing well in any phase. He had a few splash plays against Baltimore, so then everybody was upset that we were saying he wasn't playing well. But, you know, having three good plays or close to that for a whole season or for half a season, I should say. And don't type his name
0: not- into Twitter. He will find it. He will find it. Yeah. He'll, and he'll at you. he will embarrass himself by, by yelling at fans, as he's done to not just you and and, and oh, uh, so, sure. some several other people. And, uh, it's very um, He's extremely sensitive because he thinks. He'll if probably you, hear this He probably kind of is. Afterwards. He probably is. He thinks if you if you say he's a bad football player, that means you want to fight him. Uh, so, apparently, yeah.
1: so, so so he's number thirty-five. That, yeah, you know, about him. He's, he's number thirty-five, but yeah. yeah, he's he's not good, and I hope he's not back next year. But who knows? You know, Steve Wilkes loves him, and and the Green Bay people seem to like him too. So we'll see. Um, with the linebackers. Well, I also want to say I like Justin Burris from what I've seen thus far. You know, he yeah. played a decent amount against the Rams, or actually, he played that entire game, and he I thought he, he played well at free safety, and he played a little bit on Sunday, which hopefully, uh, I th- I think I noticed him more in the second half. So I'm hoping that as the season goes on, Justin Burris continues to get more snaps because I'd love for him to you know have a chance to fit into the picture at the safety position next year as as you know the team transitions into next year hopefully he can have more of a spot and hopefully he can start to make some you know some plays that catch people's eyes on Sundays because I think so far he's just kind of been in the right spot done the right things but he hasn't really made any plays that catch people's attention so hopefully he does more of that as the season goes on um with the linebacker group Schobert has definitely not played well on the whole I think he's had a couple on a uh, he's had a couple good games the Jets game the Rams game I think were good games other than that he's been pretty pretty poor overall Um, he's only missed seven tackles this year so he's not you know he's not missing them nearly at the rate that he was last year but he's only had two games where he covered well and I, I thought he played really poorly in coverage Sunday. I mean they just something seems off game. with him, man. I, he I he
0: seems a step slower than he normally is. I don't know if there's if yeah. there's something bothering him, but um this just not the
1: right spot all the no. time in zone though, too. No, you know, no, when they're I'm match when they're trying to match these routes, sometimes he's just drop into a spot and they throw it to where he should be. And like I noticed that in the game Sunday where they throw it to I think Edelman. He was yeah. between zones. But yep. Wilson had the flat, so he covers the flat route, corners on the go route. It was just a stick concept. Mm-hmm. Like Showbert has to melt to that stick route, and he doesn't do it, and it's an easy first down, you know. And he, you know, he can, in that situation, I feel like he might have looked at Mac Wilson, like, hey, you got to cover that or something, but, you know, they've got to cover the flat in that situation, so it's on him. Uh, it just, you know, they kept getting Edelman on him when they were in when the Browns were in zone coverage, and when they were in man coverage, they kept motioning James White out wide and having him run wide receiver routes against him and he just couldn't hang with them in man to man, which very few linebackers can. But yeah, I just I think he's having a he's having a tough year. And I didn't really expect them to extend him in the first place. I never expected them to. I just don't think that he's what they want. And I'm sure they hope talkie talkie can become a guy, but I would expect them to Continue looking in the off season. Look, I, I hope
0: they do. You're, you mentioned leaders at the positions they need, and I think Joe is a really good presence, and I think he's a smart yep. guy. I, agree. I think he gets people lined up, and I, you know, the, the Jermaine Whitehead. Uh, you listen, know, I like him. I, yeah, I, I know you do. and I'm I trying just, to clarify. I just wish he play better? Yeah, you know, I, I think that if they want to be a really good defense, he has to be a better player. Like he has to, and he's shown he can do it. Um absolutely. he he's played he yeah. yeah absolutely he's played well. And like when I tweeted out today that this was probably Joe Schobert's one of his worst games as a Brown like I don't mean to say like it's not me saying get rid of this guy. I think that look I think they should keep the, the you you can only replace so many people year to year. I think they should keep him. I think yep. they need that he needs to have a role. I do think that his contract should be it should the team has a lot of let me put it this way. The team has leverage. I think that um, mm-hmm. That they, they certainly Ooh. have leverage over Joe on some things and I think, but I think that there can be a fair deal struck and I think that there should be do I blame them if like you said they, they don't extend him and they look in a different direction no I would understand what they're thinking there and their thought process is there but I think like you and I've talked about you can only replace so many year to year and I think you need some guys who are just a member of the Browns for a while and I think you need yep. him to he's a good candidate for that and I think he has good play in him I think he can be a good player, um, and if they want to, and I, I think Joe would probably agree to this if you asked him to, when their defense plays really well, he typically plays really well, and oh, um, and um, hopefully he can figure that out. Where are you on Ma- uh, Mac Wilson right now? Do you think yeah. he's got long-term I just want to say that,
1: oh, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. No,
0: go ahead, go, if you have more to add to oh. Joe.
1: Oh, yeah, with Joe, I just, I think that's a great point about that, and I hope that I do want them to keep him around because I like him. I mm-hmm. mean, the the ability that he shows in coverage at times and even on plays this year where, you know, even I think, I think a play that comes to mind is actually the interception by Jermaine Whitehead in the Ravens game. Like he ran step for step with Mark Andrews down the field. Mm-hmm. Those are plays that a lot of Mike linebackers just can't make. They can't run with a guy down the field like that, down the seam. It, it's just not possible. You know, they're going to get burnt. And he is... He is what you want in a modern Mike linebacker. I just wish that he he just got to play better. Yeah. Like, like he did like he did at time like he did I think in good stretches last year, um, you know he wasn't consistently great. I wouldn't say that at all because you know tackling and run defense he did leave a lot to be desired at times. but I think he just showed those flashes and coverage that really are impressive for a linebacker and are really valuable and that's why i agree i do agree with you that i think re-signing him to a short deal maybe like a 2-year deal or something like that would would probably really benefit them
0: mm-hmm.
1: i just i just haven't imagined them doing that i would be happy if they did it and i i don't think that he would be nearly as expensive as they probably anticipated before the season, for sure. Or maybe they didn't. Maybe they expected this. Who yeah, knows, but
0: yeah, I just think when he's when he's um, when he's really when good. When he's on, they're on. Sure, and I think I think that like when you watch Joe, you mentioned that that he's cut down on the missed tackles, and that which is great. I I think he has tackled a little bit better when he's when he's when he's on. He's taking really good routes to the football, and mm-hmm. as a guy who switched to that interior linebacker, because so many people forget he was an edge guy. He was an edge guy at Wisconsin.
1: Even as as a rookie, he was. Yeah, absolutely. And Ray Horton, 3-4. And,
0: and yeah, he's still figuring it out a little bit. And I think that sometimes his routes to the football are what give him the biggest issues. Like if you watch, as an example, that 59-yard screen that goes uh, and pops off, he takes a poor route uh, covering the back. The back came from the opposite side. And um, he was matched with him and took a poor route to the football. It cost him. There was a couple of pin-pull run plays that he takes poor routes to the ball and gets undercut and, and is a Mm non-factor on the play. When he's good, when he's effective, which he's, like we've said, he's been uh, before, he's even done it multiple times this year. He's taken crisp routes to the football and, 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 you know, he's not the greatest athlete in the world, flatline run, get wise guy. And when he's, like I said, when he's dialed in, he's doing that stuff. So, it's just about finding people, coaches that can bring out the best in him and, 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 and him playing consistently. And, and I think he is yep. the key driving force and wrote about it before the season that when he's good, they're good. And when he's bad, they're typically, uh, they're typically bad. Now, he's missed games before, and they've been even worse when he's out. So there is an important uh, factor to his game, mm-hmm. and uh, I hope, like you and I have just said, I hope they keep him. I think that there's value in him being a part of this football team. He's never going to be an All-Pro linebacker, but you don't you don't always need that. You 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 just need sometimes oh, no. you just need, you need solid football players, and I think he can be yeah. that. Like, but let's go. Let's move on. Let's go, Mac Wilson. Do you think he is? If if we're <laughs> to consider Wilkes is here another year, um, barring mm-hmm. just a disaster the second half of the year, which is on the table. Uh, but but, but barring a disaster, he will probably be back another year in this four two five stuff is is Mac a guy that you can see being a long term uh you know will
1: here? Um, as a starter, I really question it. I just think that he has a lot that he has to improve to become that. um you look at his like his grades this year, let's go like in coverage, for example, you know, where we all had high hopes for him. Um, he's 81st out of 90 linebackers this year in coverage. So, like, that's that's very poor. You yeah. know, based on preseason, we were really hoping that he would show some flashes, at least, in that area. But I feel like outside of having maybe two plays this year where he was a fingertip away from making a big play, maybe, he just, on the whole, is not in the right spot and he's not limiting yards after the catch the way that he should be. And, um, I will say that, you know, he does make big hits. Like whenever he, uh, whenever he hits someone, they feel it. Mm-hmm. And, and like he pushes guys back. Like we haven't seen a, a hitter like that actually in the Browns defense in a while. I never thought Kirksey or Kirksey, showbert Collins, you know, they didn't really play that way. Maybe James Burgess did at times, but, you know, on the whole, I, I don't remember a lot of you know, big hits by linebackers over the past few years and and he definitely can do that. So that's a good thing. But but still, I mean overall he's eightieth out of ninety. Um overall grade this year. Run defense, he's at he's at seventy-three out of ninety. So you know, any category basically that you look at outside of pass rush where he's been pretty good. He's had six, uh, six pressures this year. And I think that makes sense because he's such a fluid athlete. You know, he has, he has ability um, just as a pure athlete, but on the whole, there's no way that I would trust him going into the, this offseason to just, just go into next year and say, Hey, he's going to be our starting well, well linebacker, and we're not going to challenge him. And, uh, and I know that you agree with me also that, I don't think that Kirksey is that answer either. So right. I think they need to bring in a veteran, and you know, I think I think bringing another vet in would make sense if you can get a good deal on someone. I think also um, draft continuing to draft linebackers that's just pretty important moving into next year. So that's that's my take on. It. I don't really expect him to start long term but you just never know I mean some guys sometimes guys just take a lot longer to come along at the NFL level and and he might just be having a slow start to his career you know it's, it's a lot it's a big transition and these these offenses that they face and also with the teams they've faced I mean they've played good offenses so far and teams that run like like teams for example the teams they've played so far they've played a lot of teams that are under center a lot well, mm-hmm. he didn't see that much in college. You know, he, he probably didn't see that much in high school. So he has to adjust to seeing that on, on game day in the NFL now. And it's just way different. So, you know, ad- adjusting to that and improving that learning curve, it just takes time. So um, I think, I think he has a chance because he has all the physical tools and all the athletic ability and he can hit. And I think he has the mentality too. Yeah. Um, And, and you can tell that he's not a dumb football player either. Like, when he's, for example, like matching routes and end zone coverage and stuff like that, I think he he understands what he needs to do, even if he has a couple mental miscues mixed in. It's just he has to become a lot more consistent in all phases, and and hopefully, you know, if he does those things, he has the physical tools to be a good player long term.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting for us to go back and maybe listen to this at the end of the year because mm-hmm. they play Mason Rudolph twice. They play Ryan Finley now twice. Uh, they play, you know, Josh Allen. They yep. play Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh Rosen. They, they, it it'll balance out. It, it, it has a chance. I shouldn't say it will. It has a chance to balance itself out and against less strenuous offenses. Brandon so, Allen yeah god i forgot about him that's an i mean it's just the browns have had some some fortunate luck with with quarterback injuries or who they're playing against but like it really does especially on this side of the football have a chance to to sort of change our perception a little bit by the end of the year oh yeah and um we'll see where it's at but all we can do guys is is give you our feel for where they're at right now they're approaching the midpoint of the season it's important to put our thoughts on on on, on record with where we think they are um uh, having played some pretty good football teams and, and going into a, a less strenuous, per se, portion of the schedule. And, and 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 listen, I hope at the end of the year, Brendan and I do another one of these where we're just we're, we're singing the praises of everybody in Mayfield's throwing 15 touchdowns and two Absolutely. interceptions. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about 10 pro bowlers on this team. Like, that's the goal. But I also want you to understand the important part is, is I think some things get put out in the Cleveland media market where we're like, Scratching our head. And I just think that we need to make sure that we're accurately telling what's going on and giving you an idea of where these players are, where this team is. And um, we're trying to do that as best we can. It is not um, trying to dump negativity onto your timeline or, or into a podcast. We're just telling you where they're at. Things change. Things are fickle in the NFL more than almost any other sport. And um, it could change by three weeks from now. We could be, you know, this team could be sitting 5 and 5, and we're talking a completely different tone. That's just how it is. But I hope you guys enjoyed uh, where we're coming from, understand where we're coming from. If you have questions about it, ask us on Twitter. You, Those of you who listen uh, probably follow both of us because we've been connected to this brand for a while, and um, we are always open to good quality discourse. I think if it gets weird and disrespectful, it shuts down. Uh, but we try to uh, have discourse with folks and tell them what's going on as best as we can understand it. And um, I hope you guys enjoy it. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We will try to do another one of these, maybe like a year uh, year sum up at the end of the year if Brendan's not too mm-hmm. busy with his own work and his own podcast. So we will we'll try to do that. But uh, um, listen, man, thanks for coming on. I think you give some great insight. I think that people need to listen to what you're saying. And uh, I think uh, I think everybody enjoyed this one. So Brendan, thanks, buddy.
1: Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was good talking to you. And, and I think that some regression to the mean, you know, players mm-hmm. that have played poorly so far, especially guys like Mayfield, some of these other talented players that maybe haven't played up to expectation. I think I think regressing to the mean and those players playing more like themselves is what we're probably going to see more of as the season goes on. So we can both look forward or we can all look forward to that. And uh, thank you again for having me on. It was it was a pleasure
0: absolutely absolutely so the
1: browns go to denver they get
0: a win and then they come home for two winnable games and and like we said they could be five and five before you know it and and then hopefully it shapes up for a fun november december we'll uh we'll keep our fingers crossed i will come back later this week to talk about uh denver we'll preview them with a couple of denver uh, writers and and hopefully give you guys a good feel for what they have and then we'll be back again sunday afternoon to talk about how it all went down so i appreciate you guys joining us I appreciate you always following along on Twitter, following along by uh, subscribing to our iTunes uh, channel, leaving your comments, all of that stuff. Greatly appreciated. We will be back, like I said, later this week. Until then, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history